out with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In fact, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, and he said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 30. He said, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Just so we don't miss it, that verse is repeated in Luke chapter 10 and in Matthew chapter 22. It comes from the Old Testament, Shema, one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament. Jesus went on to say the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said those two commandments are the summary of all of the Old Testament law and prophets. If you want to Cliff note version of the Old Testament. You can wrap it up with love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We started this sermon series four weeks ago talking about loving God with all of your uh, mind. Three weeks ago, we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about loving God with all of your soul. Last week, we talked about loving God with all of your uh, uh, heart. And this week we're talking about loving God with all of your strength. The next two weeks we're going to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. Today we're talking about loving God with all your strength. When you think about loving God with all of your strength, what, what comes to mind? I just want you to think about this. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Today's text that we're looking at says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. What does it mean to love God with all of your strength? How do you love God with all your strength? I got thinking about that this week. Why doesn't the scripture say love God with your body, right? That, that's kind of the first thing I think about when I think about loving God with my strength. I love God with my heart, I love God with my soul. I love God with my mind. It seems like the next logical thing, if you want to talk about doing stuff, would be to say loving God with your body, right? But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture doesn't use the word soma, body. It uses two different words for strength, one that means strength, one that means like power or might. Love, the God, love God with all of your strength with all of your might. And I think the reason is because the emphasis is on the word all, putting everything that we have into it. So how do we love God? With all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our power. In my mind, and, and maybe this is something that's defective about my discipleship, but I don't naturally think of loving God and strength as going together. You know, In fact, I've kind of been making fun of it a little bit as we talked about it. Uh, to me, when I think about loving God, I think about meekness. As Jesus says, you know, blessed are the meek. I think about humility. I think, uh, as the scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. When I think about loving God, I, I even sometimes think about weakness. Uh, as Paul said, when I am weak, then I'm strong or then he is strong. I, I, I rarely think about loving God and think about you know, physical strength. Those things don't go. In fact, when I thought about loving God and physical strength, the image that came to mind for me was the power team. How many people are familiar with the power team? Do we have anybody here familiar with the power team? That's remarkable that we don't. You guys have to Google the power team and hit that video tabs and check these people out. The power team is a feats of strength evangelism team. They have these massive folks 
that go around to giant youth groups and churches and Christian schools, and they do these feats of strength, tearing uh, telephone books in half and license plates in half and breaking concrete blocks with their heads and their arms and their shoulders and breaking giant pieces of ice and uh, bending rebar and breaking baseball bats over their legs. And then they tell people about Jesus and how they can know Jesus. (laughs) Sounds great, right? The power team. They really are pretty cool. You've got to watch a video that they, they put out. They've got some cool videos online. Um, but when I think of strength, loving God with all my strength, that's what I think of. But then as I think about it, I think I'm not sure that's what Jesus had in mind. You know, when he talked about power evangelism, I'm not sure that is the power that he was thinking. Uh, when he talks about loving God with all of your strength, I'm not sure that's what he meant. And so today we're going to look at what it means to love God with all your strength. And, and I really think when we think about loving God with all our strength, I think the idea is, is being all in, is giving it everything we got, of, of, of putting ourselves fully in. Like you've ever been to the gym and you're, you're doing your reps and you feel like you're done and then your coach says to you, give me one more, you know, give me one more. Or you, or you go out to soccer practice or to uh, football practice and the coach tells you, this is our big game. You're going to have to give 110%. And you're thinking, I wish this guy would talk to my math teacher because I, I don't think that's possible. But you understand what he means. He means give it your all. And I think The scripture is challenging us and challenging ancient Israel before us to think about, are we giving it our all? And more importantly than just giving it our all, are we giving ourselves fully to Christ? Have you ever done anything with all your strength? Is there anything in your life that you felt like, my dad, I did with all my strength, you know? My marriage, I did that with all my strength. Or my soccer team, I did that with all my strength. Or my college degree or my basic training, I gave it all. I did everything I had. I gave it all. Have you ever done anything with all your strength? I, I, I told you guys I'm a bit of a runner, not like a real athletic runner. I'm not a great athlete. And for most of my life, I didn't run. But about six, seven years ago, my kids started running for high school track and cross country. And so I started running a little bit, which has been really good for my health. And so I've just kind of stuck with it. But over the past six years, I've never run a race more than about four miles. I've run several 5Ks, just little 5Ks with my kids or at camp that we go to in the summer and like a four-mile fundraiser. Uh, for uh, um, clean water for folks. But I never, really, I never really ran any distance. And this year I thought, man, I'd like to do something more. So I, I trained to run this half marathon in November and I, I went out there and it was, it was hotter than I expected. And I, you know, having not really run any distance before, I went out much faster than I should have. And, uh, and so my goal was to be under two hours, which is like a nine minute mile for the half marathon. But I was... I, my, I really wanted to be a little faster than that. And so I, I, I had finished like eight miles at like less than a one hour, 50 minute pace, which is probably like eight and a half or something. Uh, but by mile 11, I was done, you know, and I didn't want to quit. I didn't, I wasn't going to quit, but Margaret said that when I was running, it looked like I was standing still. And it kind, of, it kind of felt like that, too, because people who were not running fast were passing me quickly. But I was still doing it with all my strength. I mean, I felt like I'm giving it everything I got. I ended up finishing in 
one hour, 55 minutes, which I felt pretty good about. But my last several miles was like 10 or 11 minute miles. And so I got passed by a lot of people. Have you ever done anything with all your strength? Today, we're going to think about loving God with all our strength and what that looks like. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, the apostle Paul is writing the Ephesians. He himself is under house arrest in Rome. He's writing a church that's going through some persecution, and he's encouraging them to stick with it. Some of the folks in this church have taken kind of a passive approach to Christianity. Like a lot of people today, they continue to believe in Jesus. They continue to go through the motions of faith, but they're not really giving it their all. And there's reasons for that. They're facing persecution. They're facing hardship. It's hard to identify with Jesus. But Paul is telling them, be strong. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. And he's going to give us tools, going to give us instruments for how we can be strong in the strength of the Lord. Let me read it for you. It's a kind of famous text, and uh, then we're going to break it down and see what it has to say to us. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul's point in this, don't, don't lose it in all that discussion about the evil one and Roman soldier's armor. Paul's point in this is to say, be strong. Not in yourself, not in your gym workout, though that's fine, you know, not, not in your relationships, but be strong in the strength of the Lord. Be strong spiritually. Have Christ's strength in your life. There's nobody as strong as Jesus, right? There's nobody who ever could do what Jesus could do. He raised the dead. He cast a thousand demons out of a man in Gerizim. He healed lepers who nobody would even touch. He himself was, took 40 lashes and was hung on a cross for three hours and was stabbed in the side after he's already dead and put in a grave and walked out three days later. So nobody's ever been as strong as Jesus. And Paul's telling these defeated Christians, don't give up. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. And then Paul's going to give them the tools, the spiritual tools that give them strength. Paul uses the metaphor of probably the strongest thing he can think of in that Roman world, which is the Roman soldier. And Paul knows Roman soldiers well. This is, he's writing about 60 AD. In the past three years, just think of it, he was arrested in Jerusalem. He spent two years in a prison in Caesarea, the Roman uh, fortress town, in a Roman 
prison guarded by Roman soldiers. And then he appealed to Rome and he was assigned to a Roman soldier who was with him for almost a year as they traveled across the Mediterranean Sea and then got shipwrecked on Malta and then got on a different ship and went up to Rome. And since then, he's been under house arrest in Rome, guarded day and night by Roman soldiers. So he's gotten to know Roman soldiers real well. And he knows what makes the Roman soldier strong. He understands where they get their strength. And he's going to use that as a metaphor for us. Not, again, to talk about physical strength or military strength, but he's using that as a metaphor for us to think about how we are strong in the Lord. Six tools, six pieces of armor is the metaphor, but six tools or six instruments of spiritual strength. And the first one is this, truth like a belt. The first instrument, the first tool that we have to be strong in the Lord is strength like a belt. Paul says, having girded your loins with truth. Now, most of us don't talk like that, girding our loins with truth. Hey, kids, did you gird your loins this morning? You know, no, nobody says that. But what that means is putting on the belt. And the Roman army soldier wore a belt. You've probably seen it before. It's a piece of leather around their waist, but it has either four or eight straps of leather that come down. And those pieces of leather have these uh, metal pieces in them so that when they march, especially in a group together, those, those straps kind of clang together and they make a sound. It's kind of intimidating when the Roman uh, soldiers march together because you hear that clack, 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 clack from the belt. But that's not the metaphor particularly that Paul's using. Paul's using the fact that they wear this belt because the Roman soldier, like all gentlemen in Rome, wore long robes, lots of fabric. They didn't wear pants like we do. That would make sense. Or dungarees or whatever uniform a soldier would wear today. They, they, wear, they wore these long robes. It was what gentlemen in Rome wore, but it was not ideal for marching or for exercise or for fighting. Can you imagine being in a fight with somebody and somebody stepping on your robe? You know, that's not going to be good or tripping over. Your... And so what they did when they were preparing for battle or, or preparing for their exercise is that they would wrap their robe all around their legs and they would stick it into this belt. They would gird up their loins. They would take all that looseness and they would pull it all together to allow them to go into battle secure, right? And so Paul says for us as Christians, truth is our belt. Truth is what pulls our lives together. Truth is what takes all the looseness of our lives and, and, and girds it up. It's, it's the gospel truth that we know who Christ is, that we know what Christ's done. It's our faith, our truth that we confess in his truth. And that, what that does to make us strong in the Lord is it allows us, when we, when we know the truth, when we believe the truth, when we live in truth, it allows us to pull together all the looseness of our lives. Some of us have a little bit too much looseness in our lives. It's keeping us from being strong in the strength of the Lord. Some of us are too loose with our indulgences. Some of us are too loose with our finances. Some of us are too loose with our tongue. Some of us are 
too loose in our relationships. And you can't be strong spiritually if you're loose in every way, every area of your life. And so Paul says, make truth the thing that pulls your life together. Live with integrity, live with truth, live with the gospel truth. Because what that does is it allows you to move spiritually. It holds your life together. That's the first tool or instrument of spiritual strength. The second one is righteousness like a breastplate. Righteousness like a breastplate. Paul says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is from verse 14. But like most of these, it's a quote from Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 59, 17. The second tool in strengthening the Lord is a breastplate. That the ancient Roman soldier would have a breastplate that was made of two or three pieces of metal, like one here, one here, sometimes one on the back, that were kind of held together with straps. Um, sometimes they were one piece in the front and one in the back, and sometimes they didn't have a back piece. But they were expensive, you know. Not every soldier would have a breastplate. It w- in that sense, the breastplate would be more than just protection. It was designed to protect them from arrows and from being stabbed through with a sword or or hit with a spear. But not every soldier had a breastplate because they were expensive. And so oftentimes they were decorated. You can see here they're decorated. And and the decorations are part of communicating the significance of this soldier's rank or position. And, and, And so wearing a breastplate, number one, it was physical protection for them, for folks that had it. But it was also an indication of their high rank, their status, their position in the uh, Roman army. And, and, and Paul says, for us, righteousness is our breastplate. By righteousness, he means the righteousness of Christ, that Christ died taking our sin upon himself and gave us his righteousness by faith. I'm identified with Christ. I have Christ's righteousness protecting me. I'm clothed with Christ. When God looks at me, God sees Christ's righteousness, not my sin, but also the imparted righteousness that comes through the Holy Spirit that allows me to live differently. And and so when we carry Christ's righteousness with us, both his imputed righteousness and his imparted righteousness, what it does is it identifies us as being in Christ to God and to other people. And it strengthens us with his strength. It protects us from the attacks of the devil. You know, the devil will try to tell you, you're not good enough. You're never going to overcome that sin. You're never going to fix your life. You're never going to be any different. The, the devil will try, to, will try to discourage us by showing us our weakness. And it's our identification with Christ's righteousness that gives us that spiritual strength. That's the second tool. The third tool of strength, thinking ourselves in the might of the Lord, is the gospel shoes on and ready to go. He says in verse 15, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, that's a quote from Isaiah 52, but it's in verse 15 here. He's talking about shoes, and we have a picture of the shoes here. The Roman uh, soldier wore heavy sandals 
that had thick leather on the bottom and they were studded with these nails that became like cleats. They were almost like, you know, uh, soccer cleats or football cleats today. They were heavy. You know, most people in the ancient Rome, uh, if they were a slave or a servant, they wouldn't have shoes at all. If they were a common person, they'd wear these light sandals. But uh, the the soldier wore these heavy sandals. It allowed them to be able to march for really long distance. It allowed them to go into battle and not be worried that they're going to step on something that's going to harm their foot. It, it protected them. And, and so Paul says the gospel's like that, the gospel of peace. When we believe the gospel, when we have the gospel, we're protected we, we can have strength as we go through our walk of life. But Paul isn't just saying, have the gospel. Notice what he says. He says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel and peace. In other words, put it on. You've got you've to wear the gospel. You, you can't just have the... See, too many Christians, and, and he, I think he's speaking you know, to Ephesians, but he's talking to us as well. Too many Christians, we have the gospel but we don't wear it all the time. Like, for, for instance, in my life, I've got running shoes. I run on Asics Cumulus, okay? And I'm, the ones that I run on are always like three years old because I buy them like half price on this web. So if, if I'm wearing the colors that you were wearing five years ago, you know why. But, uh, but, I, but my running shoes I keep in the closet by the front door of the house. So if I get up in the morning, I go for a run, I come downstairs, I put the running shoes on, and then I go out. And when I come back, I knock the dust off, I put them back in the closet, and then I put on my normal shoes, right? Today I'm wearing these, you know, leather bottom shoes. If you were to challenge me to a race around the parking lot, I would probably die, you know? If there's some ice out there or something, I've got no shot. I'm wearing these leather shoes because I'm not prepared. And too many Christians have the gospel, but we keep it safely in our closet at home or in our locker at the gym. We're ready when we go to church, we slip that gospel on. We go to Bible study, we slip that gospel on, but we don't wear it to work, right? We don't wear it out on a date on Friday night. We don't wear it when we're hanging out with our neighbors. We, that's, that's our run and shoe gospel, right? And, and Paul's telling these Ephesians, you've got to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel peace. You've got to put these shoes on. You've got to wear the gospel everywhere because you can't be strong in the strength of the Lord if you don't have the gospel with you everywhere. What's the gospel? The gospel is this good news that God loves us. He invites us to be part of his family. By his grace, we're saved. He lives in us through his Holy Spirit. We have this assurance of eternity that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. That we got to carry with us everywhere we go. You're not, you're not going to be strong in the strength of the Lord if you don't carry that with you to work. You're not going to be strong in the strength of the Lord if you don't carry that with you in your marriage or in your relationship. You're not going to be strong in the strength of the Lord if you don't carry that into your parenting. That has to become part of who you are. The fourth tool, instrument of strength in the Lord is faith like a shield. If you notice I'm moving pretty quick, that's because I'm moving pretty quick. I've got six points I've got to get through and I've only got six minutes left. Faith like a shield. Faith like a shield. Paul says, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Taking up 
the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield, the Roman soldier's shield, was made out of two or three pieces of wood that are glued together. It weighed like 22 pounds. And uh, in the middle, there was a handle. It was about two feet wide and four feet tall and was con concave. You can see it here. Uh, and, and it tended to have like a piece of metal around the edge and then a piece of metal here because this is where the handle was on the inside. So anyone would know I'd just stick a sword through there and I'd hit the person's hand. So that's tried to be protected. The rest of it is just covered with canvas or leather. It's really designed so when they got shot at with arrows, they'd have some protection. And so what they would do, a Roman unit, is they would, this is called a tortoising structure. This is pretty large. Sometimes they do this with only like eight or 10, but this has obviously more than 20 people. The, the, the soldiers on the outside would put their shields together and the soldiers on the inside would put their shields over them. And then they would advance into a defended position where people are uh, shooting arrows at them. The enemy's shooting arrows at them. When they got close enough, then they would pull out their swords and go to, into hand-to-hand -hand combat. But this was to protect them from these arrows that were coming at them as they attacked a defended position. And Paul's point is that we're being attacked. I don't know if you feel that, but we as believers are being attacked. Now, the believers in Ephesus, they knew they were being attacked by those leaders in the community that were persecuting them. But Paul wants them to see that the real attack that they're particularly vulnerable to is a spiritual attack. It's not the attack that you're expecting from the boss that doesn't like you anymore because you're a Christian or from the community leader that now is arresting Christians. No, the, the real attack is a spiritual attack. You're not going to see this coming. And, and so Paul says you have to be protected. How do we protect ourselves? With faith. It's faith. Faith in Jesus. See, I'm not, my faith isn't in myself. My faith is in Jesus. And that faith in Jesus protects me from all the attacks that the evil one, Paul says, is going to bring against me. But we also need this community. We can't do this by ourselves. And so that tortoising position is a, is a symbol of how we are together protecting one another in faith. You know, the, the, the devil is going to be shooting his spiritual arrows at us. You know, again, saying, you're not good enough. You can't do this. Knocking us down with temptation. And it's faith, it's knowing, I might not be good enough, but my faith is in Christ who's with me. It's what gives us the strength to be strong in the Lord. The fifth tool, element of our strength in the Lord is salvation like a helmet. He says, take the helmet of salvation in verse 17. This is Isaiah 59, 17 in the quote of. The, the soldier's helmet, you can see the picture of it. This is kind of the typical helmet. They've got several different ones. They've got the one that has the feathers up top and they've got, again, these helmets were expensive. Not every soldier had a helmet and the more ornate helmets signified rank and position of those that wore them. Some of these helmets, uh, the kings and people like that wore, were made out of gold. Most were made out of uh, bronze or iron. Um, and so the, the helmet, it protected your head from swords or clubs or even arrows that would come, but it also signified who you were in the, uh, in the Roman army. 
You know, it says about Jesus in Isaiah 59 that when the Messiah comes, he'll be wearing a helmet of salvation. It's part of his royal rank. It's an indication that he's coming to deliver and he's coming to fight the forces that are opposed to God's people. And, and so when we wear our helmet like salvation, what it is is identifying that my salvation is not in what I do or what I have or, or who I am. My salvation is in him and, and who Christ is, who's given me this helmet, who's given me new life, who's set me free. And when we have that, it makes us strong in the strength of the Lord. The sixth and final tool that Paul points out is the word like a sword. He says, the sword, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take with you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember, Paul knows these Roman soldiers. He's watched them dress. He's watched them gird themselves. He's watched them put their armor on. And he's like, man, this is a good analogy for what we need to be doing as believers. And he says, no Roman soldier is going to go into battle without his sword. These swords are like two feet long. They wear them at their side. When they get into the battle, they're mostly doing hand-to-hand -hand combat. And, and this is, this, without this, they cannot go into battle. They can go without a breastplate. They can go without a helmet. But they're, they're of no use without their sword. And Paul says for us, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Are you carrying the Word of God with you? And not just physically, like I got the Word of God on my phone. I used to carry a New Testament in my glove box in my car, so I'm always there. Have it. But, but not just physically, but do I have the Word of God within me? Remember Jesus, before he started his public ministry, he went out in the desert for 40 days and fasted. And then Satan came and tempted him. And remember how Jesus defended himself against Satan? You remember how he demonstrated his strength against Satan? With the word of God. The Satan said, turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. He's like, oh, nope, nope. God said, the word says, man doesn't live by bread alone. God said, the Satan said, throw yourself off the temple if you're the word of God, if, if you truly are the son of God. He said, oh, no, 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 no. The, the word says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. He defended his strength, spiritual strength, with the word of God. And he's, it's modeling, Jesus is modeling for us that that's what allows us to be strong when we're feeling the attacks of this world. And so the main point here is that we should be strong in the Lord. We should be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we're being attacked spiritually. Remember, Paul's not talking about the physical attacks that we experience in life. We do experience those, and a lot of you are familiar with those. And, and we fight battles all the time. Some of you guys are fighting emotional battles. Some of you guys are fighting physical battles or health battles. Some of you are fighting relational battles or addiction battles. Some of you are fighting work battles. Some of you are fighting financial battles and, and many other battles. And the same thing was true in, in ancient Ephesus. And Paul himself, he was fighting battles. He was in the middle of a legal battle where they were accusing him of doing something in the temple he didn't do. He spent three years in jail in Caesarea and now in uh, Rome. He, he, he has his own immediate battles. But his point is, is that our battle isn't these things. 
The, the battle isn't with your boss. The battle isn't with your spouse. The battle isn't with your kids. In, in a sense, the battle isn't even with your addiction. The, the battle, he's saying, is a spiritual battle. It's not this battle that we focus on all the time. And because we focus on all the time, we are weak spiritually. But the, the true battle that's behind this interpersonal and intrapersonal battles that we face in our life, the true battle is a spiritual battle. It's this way, that we are being attacked spiritually and we need to be strong in the Lord. When we are strong in the Lord, we can fight all those other battles in a godly sense. But where do we get our strength in the Lord? Well, he tells us it's truth, it's righteousness, it's the gospel, it's faith, it's salvation, it's the word of God. A lot of us do a lot of fighting, a lot of wrestling, a lot of posturing all day long. And Paul's like, well, that, that's not the point of what he's saying. It's not be strong, you know, like Hans and Franz, we're going to bust you up. We're gonna, we're, it's, it's be strong in the strength of the Lord. These are the ways that we are strong. You know, it's, it's living out this life of faith that makes us strong. And so I want to pray for us that we might receive all of these gifts and allow Christ to make us strong in his strength. Lord God, we just thank you for your word and for the way that your word instructs us and encourages us and uh, confronts us and for uh, the truth that you give us in your word. Some of us, Lord, feel weak. Some of us are weak. We're, we're, we're beaten down spiritually. Some of us may even be close to giving up, like some of those ancient Christians in Ephesus. Uh, we've been through a long slog, and, and we don't know if we're going to make it. And so I just pray, Lord, that this truth of this word and that your Holy Spirit would minister to us, that you would encourage us, that we're strong when we're in you that we can be strong in the strength of your might, that we can take on your righteousness, that we can put our faith in you, that we can carry the gospel with us everywhere we go, that we can wear that clothed in Christ breastplate, that we can be protected by that salvation that you adorn our heads with, that we can carry your word with us so that we can fight the true battle, Lord, some of us are battling doubts. Some of us are battling sin. Some of us are battling accusation of the evil one. Some of us are just, are just battling faith itself. Just wondering if I could even believe this. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to find these tools to go, grow strong in your strength, so that we can truly be your people and we can be strong in the strength of the Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're going to share in communion. And as we share in communion, this is a means of grace. This is a way of physically responding to this message, of physically receiving what is a spiritual gift. This is a way of saying, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want your gospel. I want your new life. I want to, I want to identify with you.
That's what Jesus was saying when he gathered his disciples together on the night before he was betrayed. And he took bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it and he offered it to them. And he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After they ate, he took a cup, and again he gave thanks to God. He offered it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He told his disciples, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my coming until I come again in final victory. And so when we share in this meal, we're coming and we're saying, yes, Jesus, I need you. I need your salvation. I need your presence in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need the work that you did on the cross to be in my life, and I need your strength living through me. And we say, God, feed me with your presence and your power so I can be all that you call me to be. Let's pray that I might be so. Lord God, pray your Holy Spirit on this bread, on this cup. May they become for us more than just bread and juice, but as we share in them in faith, may they become true symbols of your life, death, and resurrection. As we share in them, Lord, May we be sharing in you and receiving your presence and your power to be all that you created us to be. Make us one with you and one with each other and one in ministry the whole world. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, at Christ Church, you don't need to be a member of this church or really any church to share in communion. All you need is a desire to receive Jesus. If that's your desire, we invite you to come. And as you come, these folks will break off a piece of the bread. They'll offer you a little cup of the juice. They're symbols of God's love and grace in your life. If you're from a tradition that you're not comfortable sharing in this venue, that's fine as well. Just stay where you are and enjoy the music. But know that you are invited and welcome, that Christ welcomes you to his table. Um, if you have a gluten allergy, come to the center station. There are gluten-free wafers here. Just let the communion servers know, and they'll give you one of the communion wafers. Our servers are wearing masks and gloves so that we can do this uh, as safely as possible. Um, as you come, we come clockwise. So wherever you are, you'll come clockwise. If you do want to give to the communion offering, there are little baskets here, or you can give electronically as well. That's going again to African University and Black College Fund. Come as you're led and share in the body and the blood of Christ. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. At this time, church family, we have the blessing and the privilege of gathering around this table. 
doesn't matter where we are. The Spirit makes it possible for us to gather together, even when we're far away, even when we're down the block or, again, like I always say, halfway around the world. It doesn't matter because God is beyond time and distance. And so I want to invite you to take a piece of bread and to hold it up, to look at it and know that this is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Let's see. And if you would take the cup and look into it and know that this is the blood of Christ, which is poured out for you and for many for salvation. Let's drink together. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for this gift of your very self for us. Thank you for taking on flesh. Thank you for your body and your blood, for redeeming us, for inviting us to your table, for filling us with your spirit and making it possible for us to be remade in Jesus' image. May you have all the glory forever. We pray this with gratitude and great expectation. In Jesus' holy name, amen. And we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. Christ is our hope in life and in death. 
And that's good news. You know, one of the things that occurred to me as I was hearing the message today is that one of the arrows of the enemy is distraction. Um, And it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. Really easy to lose sight of that. Um, And that's one of the things that makes us the most vulnerable is not realizing the stakes of our choices, of our decisions, of how we choose to spend our time with God or not spend our time with God. And I think one of the invitations of this sermon is to, to take an examination of our spiritual strength and to say, okay, where do I need to grow? What piece of armor am I neglecting? And how can I better um, put myself in the mindset of knowing that I am in a spiritual battle and each day is an opportunity for me to fight with the strength of the Lord and thus to love the Lord with all my strength. So that's my prayer for us as we go from this place. I just wanted to let you know if you needed prayer today, we have um, some folks that can pray for you right back there. If you're online, just click the live prayer button at the bottom of your screen and one of our hosts should be able to be with you on that as well. If you would like to learn more about Christ Church, if you're newer or you just want to introduce yourself, my name's Pastor Tony. I'll be right under the cross there, and I'd love to answer any questions that you have. Pastor Todd will be up front here if you wanted to meet with him as well. And so, church family, God bless you. This week, what are we going to do? We're going to love God, love others, and live out the gospel life. God bless you. To the grave, what will we Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life again, then we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast with endless joy. Oh
Well, good morning, church family. It's great to be in worship with you today, wherever you're joining us from, whether you're just down the street or halfway around the world. I'm Pastor Tony. And I'm Pastor Todd. Thanks for joining us. Today is our Scout Sunday here at Christ Church. We've got some of our Boy Scouts here with us. This is Austin. And this is Owen. So, Austin, what grade are you in? I'm a junior. How long have you been in Scouts? Uh, since I was in kindergarten. Wow. Great. And, Owen, how long have you been in Scouts? I've been in Scouts since kindergarten as well. So these guys are helping out with the service today. They're greeting at the door. They're helping out in the coffee shop. They are ushering. And and one of them is praying uh, on stage with us. It, it's been a lot of fun uh, to have them here with us as we uh, just remember that for 35 years, Boy Scouts have been part of Christ Church. You know, we have had 166 Boy Scouts reach Eagle Scout rank uh, here in this troop alone. So that's been amazing. Today, we're also in the fourth sermon of our sermon series that we've been calling What's Love Got to Do With It? And today, we're talking about loving God with all of your strength. Right. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we usually think about strength in terms of physical fitness, but there's also spiritual fitness. And so we're going to learn today how we can get spiritually fit, which is going to help us to love God with all of our strength. At this time, I want to just invite you to join us in the live interactive chat. Type your name in, log in, let us know where you're joining us from as we celebrate how God's bringing us together from all over the world. If you want sermon notes, click the notes tab under the chat. You can download those, print them off at home. And if you click the resources link at the top of the page, you'll have access to our online bulletin, which is really the key to how to get connected here to the life of Christ Church so that you can grow in your faith. So church family, let's join our hearts together and let's say... Scout Sunday! God bless. <laughs>Good morning, family. What a joy it is to be in worship with you this morning. Can I invite you to rise up to your feet? Let's go to the foot of this throne this morning and raise our praises to our Lord.
death can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his son to free us holds me in his love. Say it out. Neither hide nor death can separate us. Hell and death will not Love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. 